Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. I don't know if we're coming strong as Texas came on National Signing Day with Tom Herman getting it done. 27 signees, the number three class in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. We're not going to talk specifics in terms of the recruitments of these guys, but we will definitely talk how they fit in, look at some depth charts, and uh, kind of project some things forward here on this latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe, and before we get started, can I just please ask everybody in the Twitterverse? <laughs> no. Rice graduate transfer Calvin Anderson did not need to sign yesterday doesn't need to make a decision right away. He's going to make a decision in March. Everything I've heard suggests Texas still feels really good about it. So there, yeah. there he's you have it. He's a graduate transfer, so there's different yes. rules that apply. Yes. Yeah. So, no. He's he, already signed letters of intent back in the day. He did not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He will sign a scholarship agreement when he enrolls in June. He will not be able to participate in spring <laughs> ball because as part of a graduate transfer, he still has to graduate from Rice. I so was, I guess I the just, world exploded off this. I understand the urgency, though, because there are a lot of people that believe that, you know, a guy like like that coming in could end up being the most important acquisition of that, you know, right. the class coming in if he decides to go with Texas. Definitely the most instant impact guy of all. You know what the, I mean? That's newcomers, a yeah. Consider and counters. to the uh, to the neediest or you know I would say the uh, the most destitute position group, right? As well. So uh, we'll wait on Calvin Anderson and see what happens. But uh, let me go ahead and bring in the rest of the team before we move on and talk about this signing class and how they fit into the Longhorns' plans. He is the master of the sound. The drop machine extraordinaire, no longer the man behind the glass, the man who uh, runs the show, drives the car here, Matt Butler. Matt, what's going on, man? Oh, I've been pretty normal other than yesterday was very bizarre. Uh, had a basketball game get rained out, so really lost a lot of money due to that, and <laughs> I think that'll be the last time I'll ever have to say that again in my life. It's very strange. Is it sad that we're at the point <laughs> yeah. now where I heard about that the Pacers-Pelicans game being postponed? I'm like, man, I wonder how that impacted Matt last night. <laughs> Hey, yeah, like that was costing bread. Uh, telling Rod earlier, like you had the smoke game a few years yeah. ago in Mexico, so that one at least you knew there was a fire going on or something like to tip you off. Or the condensation game where you put a basketball court on top of a ice rink and it's too soon and it starts to get slick and stuff. <laughs> Those yeah. actually, this one came out of nowhere. Nobody knew that the roof of this post Katrina construction chaos that happened ended up leaking and ended up causing the game to be canceled. But smartly, to- also like. Like you don't want Miles Turner or a guy like Anthony Davis going out there and slipping and ending their career. I did see, though, Pierre the Pelican hit a half-court shot backwards while trying to entertain the crowd for like an hour while they waited around for like two hours trying to see if this game was... <laughs> so you had the pe- Pierre the Pelican throwing all these mad, crazy shots and hitting them in a mascot outfit, which was pretty nuts. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank wow. you for that rundown, Matt. Uh, a man who knows about the NBA, he'll talk about the NBA. He does it every day uh, on 104.9 The Horn on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Uh, but right now, he is our locked down corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Uh, a lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American fourth-round draft pick of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and here with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football in Canada, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and a 40 acres where he earned his degree. If he had a T-ring, he would wear it proudly, but <laughs> nonetheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and in that intro, I cannot believe that I forgot he was once a semi-finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rob Babers. And Rob B, intro, brother. do you realize that on Wednesday, National Signing Day, it was 19 years to the day, to the date, that you signed your National Letter of Intent to the University thing. of Texas. And just thanks you for making me feel those. I appreciate your rich, that. Wearing your rich thanks white man you. hat. Yeah, rich white I man did. hat. Very yeah, good touch. I did wear the rich white man hat. That it was, was still it. when like, Greg Norman had like some yeah. type of influence on your attire. He was the cool golfer. That's great. Yeah, I did. I got. I think I got that from Academy, actually. My rich white man hat. It had Texas uh, banner on it. It was yeah. pretty cool. I didn't play the hat roulette like the kids play these days. Um, I think I just broke Michael out. 
Jordan the, on the golf course really rubbed off on a yeah. lot of young youth. Or yeah, Bobby he wore Bowden, the rich Bobby white Bowden man hat always. always. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I think, uh, you know, it was it was big time. I thought that was my way of, you today, you would bring out a clown or, like, you'd have, like, uh, <laughs> the band there or some yeah. cheerleaders or whatever. The baby uh, wearing the onesies. I have some tiger there with you. And, yeah. other, and I just taught, I just decided to wear the rich white man hat. That was, that was, that was crossing the line in my day. Like, that was, I was like, ooh, this dude, this, this young Styling. buck has got some swagger. What's no, he doing? That's like a pimp What's he hat. wearing? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, that was big time. Now, that would be seen as just, I mean, that's, everybody does that. As, as you've yeah. said many everybody times. Very conservative play. move these as, days. As you've said many times, Rod, when we talked about recruiting here on the show, your mom and dad would not have put up with the hat game and no. Rod be committing and decommitting. No, everybody pretty much knew where, at least all the coaches knew where I stood. That I had to call all of the coaches beforehand and tell them, hey, I'm going with Texas. Sorry, coach. You know, love you. Think you're great, but I'm going with Texas. Had to do that. I think I probably did it probably within a week of me picking Texas. All the other stuff for the media, that was all for show. The Everybody knew. My head coach knew. Coach Tom Nolan, who's still there, by the way, at Lamar. He knew. My mom knew. It's like that. What's that? Um, What's the recruit whose mom walked out on the recruit? Jacob Copeland. This this guy, Jacob Copeland, who went to Florida, right? Yeah. He was choosing mm-hmm. between Florida, I think, Tennessee, and Alabama. That yeah. He's playing the hat roulette. Yeah, mom is there next to him. Where he's only two other right? colors. Exactly. Wearing Tennessee and Bama. She's wearing Tennessee and Bama. She's got a Bama sweater on. I think got a Tennessee hat or whatever or yeah. vice versa. And he says I'm going to Florida. Mom gets up, walks out of the press conference. And then in front of the camera. In front of the camera. Like takes the, <laughs> the way sure around. Yeah. Walks out. Out of here. Um, they ask him who just walked Grandma. out. He's like my mom. He, at first his heart broke. So I was crying. She comes back in. It's like a Disney movie or something. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, the only thing really I first thing I thought about was like, his mom didn't know where he was going? That's who doesn't tell their mom? Is it like an episode of The Bachelor? Like, is everybody who is in the shot, are they all ignorant to exactly what is it's, happening? Yeah. You couldn't tell your mom? I, I mean, or did they rehearse it? Was it just so, great drama? That would be is great. great acting, reality yeah. TV? No, is great this, reality. Did they take reality TV, you know, to the Bravo extent where, you know, Real Housewives, they had it worked out, mom in the Tennessee Bama gear, and he chooses Florida, she walks out like, we Grandma's got him. Like, we got oh. America. We got him. We're going to have a reality TV show. Is this his way of starting a reality TV show for his family? Because that was the best drama of signing day by a long shot. His mama walked out in the press conference, and I'm thinking to myself, whose mom would let them walk out there and not know where he's going? My mom would slap, my mom would slap the if, hell out of me. No, and she would, she would refuse to attend my press conference, and I had one in front Maybe of Lamar, she was betrayed. if she did not know. Maybe she was betrayed. Maybe, Maybe he lied said to he's going to Bama. So God many, heard to show up, and right? now embarrassed So many TV. theories. I'm was it reality TV show driven? Was it all scripted? Did he, did he lie to his mom, like yes. Matt said? Did mom just not know? I, yeah. No mom that I know would walk out there and not have known an answer. That's, you know what I mean? That's yeah. going to be a mama foreman, though, by the end of Man, it. She's going right? to be into it. Yeah. That reality TV show is common to YouTube or <laughs> Facebook or something. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. But on the other side, when we come back, let's talk more about National Signing Day and how these pieces are going to fit into the plans of the Texas Longhorns going forward. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Once again, Jeff Howe. And Rod, this is a 27-man class. Could get up to 28 with the addition of Calvin Anderson, who won't be on campus until June uh, if he picks Texas. And right now I think Texas is probably the leader along with uh, along with Michigan, but I think Texas has the edge over Michigan in that one. Um, here's something I want to run down real quick, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because this, be, uh, this will not be topical for a while. Um, Vernon Jackson, the uh, four-star athlete out of bowling, um, signed, in air quotes, with Texas A&M yesterday. As of 11-15 Thursday morning, Texas A&M had still not received his national letter of intent. Uh, Texas, as far as I know, is still in communication with Vernon Jackson as of very late Wednesday night, so we'll see if anything happens from that, but I mean, Texas, would they would take Vernon Jackson if that's a possibility. Rod, when you look at what Texas did on uh, on on Wednesday in this late sign, this second signing period, if you will, uh, you look at the, just some of the names and guys that they needed to get, mm-hmm. and I'm, the, the two that jump out, obviously, are Keontae Ingram, the running back from Carthage, Keandre Coburn, the defensive tackle from Spring Agreed. Westfield. Yeah. Those two guys at positions where one where you lose the Big 12 defensive lineman of the year and Puna Ford and in an odd front, we know how important the nose tackle is. And then Keontae Ingram at running back, we know Texas needed to get more dynamic at that position. They were not dynamic enough. There were not enough plays being made at the running back position in 2017. Now we eventually, as we speculated around the USC game, the staff just for whatever reason, them and Chris Warren just did not see eye to eye on, on much 
much of anything. They were, yeah. they were just not vibing there. And then Kyle Porter, as we talked about, is he's a hard worker, good kid, but I think at the end of the day, man, Kyle Porter's kind of just a guy. Yeah. And Danny Young, unlike Kyle Porter, is a guy that, hey, if that plays blocked for, Tom Herman said it, if it plays blocked for four, he'll get you six. If it's blocked for six, he'll get you eight or nine. Uh, the ability to, to make guys miss account for the unblocked defender, he did that did that better than any of the other backs. Uh, Tennille Carter obviously getting suspended for the bowl game and the fumble mm-hmm. problems. Uh, there's still some return to do, I think, there. So, bottom line is Texas needed an, 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 a guy that could come in right now and give them something at running back. They get that with Keontae Ingram, who's a three-down back that could come in and help right away, and then Keandre Coburn at the nose rod. Of these guys that signed in this late period, other than those two guys, anything jump out at you? Or if you want to talk about those two guys, the floor is yours. Um, well, I obviously, Keandre Coburn being the, the only true, one of the only true nose tackles, uh, D-tackles in, in the state, um, I thought that was pivotal. Uh, it seems to me that Todd, Todd Orlando's defense, at least the last three years when it's been trending as one of the nation's best at U of H, and now here at Texas, that's been one of the common denominators. A lot of things have changed, talent level, that kind of thing, but Ed Oliver at U of H is going to end up being a top five draft pick somewhere, and Puna Ford overachieved um, and became the defensive lineman of the year, um, and he'll play in the NFL. I don't know where he'll be drafted or even if he'll be drafted, but we all know that he was perfect, or at least he was utilized perfectly by Todd Orlando in that defense, always over the ball as that nose tackle, and Kendra Coburn can do that. I know there will be some other guys who are going to you know, try to fill that void left by Puna, but that's going to be interesting to see how many snaps you see a guy like that get early and who becomes that that presence there. But it's great you got him to start developing him in that role. Keontae Ingram, certain guys, they, they move the chains. Certain guys change the game. Right now, every running back that Texas has, they just move the chains. Um, they don't really change the game. And Keontae Ingram, from what I've heard and from what I've watched, he's a game changer. He's a guy that can take it to the house. Um, if he can learn his pass blocking duties and technique early on and get really um, well and adapted to them, this guy can end up starting for Texas in the first three or four games. I mean, because they just don't have that kind right. of presence at running back. They don't. And you need that because you get that, then you make it easy on the, and then you have, if Sam Ellinger ends up starting, you have a dual threat uh, backfield with him and Sam Ellinger. Teams will start loading that box and that's what Tom Herman wants to be able to do in terms of the vertical passing game to throw against man-to-man coverage. You're asking Texas wideouts to beat one-on-one. That's eventually what you want down the right. line. Uh, so those two guys were crucial. Um, the other guys, I think, were just kind of added value for Texas. It was great that so many D linemen jumped on board, and I think that was the big story of actual the actual signing day. Signing day ain't what it used to be. Um, it's like getting all your Christmas presents on Christmas Eve, and then waking up on Christmas Day. Like, okay, maybe you got one. Maybe you got one or two to open, but I got most of the stuff I wanted on Christmas Eve, and that's how it was for the early signing period. Now, but having all those defensive linemen in this class, um, and I think that was kind of a that was late for the most part having all those guys rush on board I think that really was the big takeaway big and inv- I think defensive line now probably at the most recruits in the class other than defensive back correct right yeah. um yeah you look at all, all their defensive linemen Rod were uh were in the the February signing period right. uh, Daniel Carson Keandre Coburn uh, Moro Wajomo Joseph Osai and Mike Williams with maybe Vernon Jackson's kind of weird how it worked out like we'll see, that. we'll see what happens but um and I, I like the versatility of this group the fact this group's got some upside and the best thing about it is when you look at the current roster, you're not going to need a lot of these guys. Obviously, you're going to need Keandre Coburn to come in, starting with that Maryland game, and give you, you depending know, on how the other guys ahead yeah. of him, the you know DeAndre Christmas Giles and Chris Nelson, and all those how those guys fit in. If Christmas is if DeAndre Christmas is still on the roster, I think he played like 14 snaps. I don't know what the hell is up. I just want to say his name because like I love his name. <laughs> yeah. I want him to be good, like I want Demarion Overshone. You know he good. dropped the Giles though, mm-hmm. right? He dropped the hyphen. Oh, to hell he's, with you, he's, Christmas. He's just going by DeAndre, DeAndre Christmas. Christmas. Can't get all. I like the hyphenate, but I go with DeAndre Christmas. Either way, I want him to be good because I want to say that name a lot. It would be nice if we could just talk about him DeAndre other Christmas. than being like, where the hell is DeAndre Christmas right I now? I know. I saw, you know. Like, um, right, can you say hell and of... Christmas in the same mm-hmm. sentence? Yes, you oh, can. Okay. This is true. Yeah. Thank yes. you, Rod. I lean, on you. <laughs> I lean on you for what's you PC and what's not, Rod. <laughs> a lot of people yeah. use um, right? But so, yeah, DeAndre, we'll see what happens with DeAndre Christmas. Gerald Wilbon got some reps last year. We'll see what strides he makes in the offseason. Uh, and then, you know, we know they're going to slide Chris Nelson inside, which isn't really uh, ideally where you would like Chris Nelson. I think he's more of kind of that three technique, four eye type guy but too. which is why I think you know you can still have Chris Nelson slide out and play that shit if Keandre Coburn can come in and give you you know 10 to 12 quality reps right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know right if you're playing you know 70 snaps a game on, on on defense let's just throw that number out there. I don't know. Matt you don't have any idea off the top of your head what how many defensive snaps per game Texas average. In, I didn't in look at the players like I know 
know Pro Football Focus has them. But no, no, no. I'm just talking like how many snaps the defense as a whole faced like per game. Oh yeah, about 77, 78. Okay, I think. so if you're playing seven, let's say let's say eighty, yeah. right? Let's sure. say eighty snaps. Uh, if Keandre Coburn's a guy that can give you, you know, in in an, around fifteen, give or take a few, yeah. I think that's ideally what you would like from him right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, but at any rate, when back to my point, when you you bring back Chris Nelson, you still got Gerald Wilbon. We'll see what happens with Christmas, and then you've got Charles Amina who decided not to go to the NFL. Good call on his part, as we talked about. Yeah. With Brecken Hager, Malcolm Roach coming back. to Quan Graham uh, coming off of a year where he played as a true freshman. You still got Jamari Chisholm in there yeah. for depth purposes. So, really, you can afford to redshirt some of those guys because your depth sure. up front is actually pretty good. Yeah, your D-line is, a, is gonna, it should be ideally a strength considering the experience you're bringing back at D-line. I agree with you. Especially since you're playing so much odd front, you you know, yeah. that really cuts down. I mean, it's an, uh, simple math. I mean, it cuts down on the number of guys you're asking to play reps. Yeah, hell, and even on the D-line, you got one. Isn't Ojomo like 16 years old or something? Or Ojomo doesn't turn 17 until August. Wow. So, no, that guy's red shirt. Yeah. And the exact <laughs> number on snaps, Texas improved actually last year because 2016 was 82.8. It was way too high. Wow. It got down to 72.8 the last two games, or the last game, go. I guess the bowl game helped a little bit. That's so, what down you to want. 73, a little bit better. I, well, but you the know rest what? of the Big 12, like you look at Texas Tech was up at 79, a lot of 78, 77. So, at least you know that. How much of that up. is Tom Herman and his staff figuring out the identity for this particular team and how they needed to win mm-hmm. and going to themselves, whoa, 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 man. This offense, it ain't no matter how much work we put into it, no matter how much of our game plan uh, that we throw out there and we're, we're putting time into it and trying to make it effective and personnel changes, we're just not going to win games with this offense. Yep. We win games with a top 15 defense in the country and the best punter in the country. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's how we're going to win games. Yep. And I wonder if they just start adjusting their, their, call, their play calling, their game plans, period, that, hey, man, let the special teams and the defense win the game. Let's keep defense fresh, mm-hmm. and hell, as much as we can put uh, Long Ball Dixon out there, let's keep putting him out there. He's our he's our best offensive weapon. He just flips the field for us, and he keeps our defense playing with a long field behind him, uh, or at least with a long field for the the offense. And I think that is more why you saw that change toward the end of the year. Yeah, Six, very much. 68 yeah. snaps the defense faced in that Texas Bowl, man. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know what I mean? Tra- it was yeah. trending. That's good. Tom Harmon was like, all right, all right. He figured it out. Like, all right. But you, you know, know the, we know the, who we are. Those low, those low snap numbers, though, you're facing in terms of plays per game, part of that is you look at the games Texas won. It was usually when the offense was able to put together at least one or two really long drives. Like, the, the two games that stick out to me, like the Iowa State game and the Missouri game, were almost mirror images of each other in terms of score early, let defense and field position carry the day, and then offense just put one drive together at the end to burn off some clock and, and carry us across the finish line. And, and think about it, the, the four-quarter drive in mm-hmm. Ames and, and the, the tw- 10 play, I think it was a 10 play, like 46-yard drive they had yeah. uh, against Missouri. You didn't score on either of those drives, but the I think the drive in Ames, it killed the last like like seven and a half minutes off six, the clock. Seven minutes, yep. yeah. And I, I think that drive in the Texas ball, I think like you killed five, like eight, eight minutes eight of minutes, clock yeah. time or something, something yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, but see, that goes back to the 40 rushes or more stat, too. Right. You know what I mean? Because they were just they, were, they took time off the clock. You let that defense get fresh, that that defense fresh, uh, with long ball dicks and pinning them deep. You know, that was a recipe for success for Texas. They figured it out like, oh, this is a recipe for us. You know what? We just got to do this, this, and this, and we can we can stay in the game with anybody, right. even if it's Oklahoma or USC, best teams in the country. If we we did these things right and we were able to make those games competitive even down to the, the last minute, and I think they figured that out late. They figured it out way too damn late because we were talking about it, hell, I don't say the first, after the first four or five games of the season. Mm-hmm. That's how you're going to win with this team. And when you look at the rest of the teams in the Big 12, the best defense is Oklahoma and TCU right at 69-69.3, which is where Texas was in that Texas Bowl against Missouri down to 68, and you look up around a little bit higher, uh, even Baylor, but Baylor, what they do this year, change sort of their mentality. They start running, so they're trying yeah. to shorten that game in the Big 12, trying to prevent the opponents from having as many plays. Just like while we said, whenever we realized the reason why Texas was losing with Charlie Strong that first year was just the amount of plays. We weren't getting plays. the quantity yeah. in. That's the way in the Big 12, you can try to at least, if you can't get it, you can limit the opponent's yeah. amount and Figure limit that out. Yeah. their upside's like, oh, we suck? Well, we can bring you down to our level with us just by exactly going right. and stretching K-State. it out. It's yeah. K-State in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Rod, to your K-State point, football. to your yep. point about no, Keontae yeah. Ingram, if you're running the ball that much and that's your strategy, and we'll see if that strategy changes with no Michael Dixon mm-hmm. in 2018, but if one of those, you know, on those long drives, if one of those four or five yard runs, if a guy like Keontae Ingram can turn that four or five yard run even into a, a, an 11 or 12 yard run, maybe oh, get 
you wanted one more explosive run play per drive. Yeah. We, we've talked since we started doing this show together back in 2012, we've talked about how much explosive plays, if you get an explosive play on a drive, how much that increases your chances Walsh, of Bill scoring. Walsh. I mean, does, you know, Bill Walsh crunched the numbers a long time ago, and the percentages skyrocket when you get at least one or two explosive plays on a drive. So uh, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, when I look over at this class again, I just go back to the upside, man, with these defensive linemen and the fact that not just those defensive linemen, but you look at getting Christian Jones, a, a kid out of, out of the Houston area, out of Cy Woods at 6'6". Uh, you know, I think Texas lists him at 6'5", 280. He's probably re- re- legitimately in that ballpark. Just long, athletic, kind of a waist bender right now, but I think that's stuff you can work on. It's He's got, he's got yeah, some football some, terms. He's got some good tools to him. Um, but you look at Christian Jones and then the offensive linemen that they signed uh, in the early period, Junior Angelau and Reese Moore and Rafiti Gramai. Rod, with the with adding Mikey Grandy and going back to the Calvin Anderson point, if you get Calvin Anderson, now you've got four freshman offensive linemen. Knock on wood, unless you have an injury or something, you might be able to get away with redshirting all these guys. Yeah, especially if you can get And that, you say, can't quantify yeah. how huge that is for this program. Yeah, you get the graduate transfer of Calvin Anderson in here, then you talk about redshirting all those guys. Ending that cycle of, um, really, it's a, it's, it's kind of a, a cycle of being able, of premature, kind of um, premature development. You're stunting you the growth of your offensive Yeah, well, line. because you, no, what not, yeah, because initially those guys, all, they, they, they show that, hey, they do actually deserve to play more because they probably are the best option you have, which is means your offensive line is not in a good place. That right. means it is, you know, not where it should be because you want to redshirt those guys in development, but that premature, like, spurt. Open chance to risk. Yeah, you know what I mean? Initially, I think you see those guys, they do kind of have this uh, expedited rate of development, but then after that, you see them regress. Patrick Vahe, I think, is a prime example, right? Ken Parkins. Ken Par- you know what I mean? You see that regression. They do have that high ceiling, but it's one of those rare positions in football. It's not like running back. It, it's an offensive lineman. There's, there's so much of it that is technique and also kind of raw strength and maturity and growth. You don't want to see a lineman out there because you'll develop bad habits as a young freshman because you don't have a, a you don't you have a little boy body still and, and you're, you're going up against grown men so you're going to develop bad habits about how to you know how to get your feet in the right spot or how to turn a guy or where to have your the hand placement because you're overcompensating because you should have a certain level of strength playing that position but you don't but you're trying to survive you yeah, no, got to you got to get you're at the yeah, point I'm of trying now, to execute I'm trying to do the yeah. job I'm trying to I'm do the job exactly. exactly instead of doing the job developing. correctly and developing so that's why you see that initially you see a spurt on offensive linemen that they play early and then you see a regression because they develop bad habits and then once they actually do have that grown man body and they can handle that you know that matchup against another grown man their their bad technique catches up with them. it's yeah. like the idea yeah, you man. can't see the forest for the trees because yeah. you're too close to it and it's like you know yeah. well I would like to be able to work on developing yeah. all these things but right now you're saying that I got Oklahoma and I gotta block that guy and this is working and I'm doing I it do well, exactly I'm gonna do whatever like, I gotta do y'all put me in this yeah. position this isn't my yeah. fault that I'm not developing I am helping y'all try to fill this stopgap because we together trying yeah. to do this but it's also on the front end sort of understanding hey man might develop all the stuff that you want if I was sitting yeah. back and learning and grooming exactly. like Aaron Rodgers did for years by exactly a guy right. like you know Favre or something the quarterback like position is a prime example yes, of. you yes. see early on young quarterbacks have a lot of success in the league yeah. and then you see the regression Mariota well this year. yeah because then teams have the film on them they start mm-hmm. game planning for them or, and then all those bad habits you develop as a young quarterback they start to catch up to you yeah so it, it, it happens cool. in in some of those positions where development is key some of them are not like that i think cornerback is like an instinctual position running back is like yeah, that wide receiver. You throw, yeah you throw a young guy out there man he'll just keep he'll just he'll continue to flourish he'll just continue on that rate of development mm-hmm. it's not like that with certain other positions and i think quarterback like matt mentioned in offensive line like that and then rod you talk about bad technique bad habits that goes back to having what is texas now on their fourth offensive line coach in four years. Good point, too. I mean, I mean, zone steps are zone steps. You know, double team, the proper way to do a double team, it's pretty much the same stuff. But with an offensive line coach, those little details with, oh, you man. know, footwork and hand yeah. placement, because of that, every guy has a different way teaching it mm-hmm. and relating. We talk, you go back to this, Rod, all the time with Manny Diaz. It's it's not that can you teach it. It's, it's not do you know it. It's can you make that relatable to your players. That's exactly and Can right. you get the information across to where yeah. they understand. You understand it. how that guy learns and go. Yeah. Okay, I gotta teach it to you differently than I taught it to the to, to the guy that's in front of you. And guys are different. You know I mean? Guys are different kinds of communicators and all exactly. that stuff. Yeah. So uh, you know, there's a. It's. I keep saying it, and I'll, 
I'll go ahead and say it again, man. The offensive line at Texas didn't get broken overnight. It's not going to get fixed overnight. Nope. But if <laughs> it you took can, a decade. but if you we compare, if you compare Christian Jones with these four offensive linemen that you signed in December, and you could redshirt these guys again, that's if you get Calvin Anderson, which is going to really mm-hmm. make your depth look a lot better. Then now we're getting somewhere. Now we're starting to see you know steps in the right direction with the program. Up. Well, I, I mean that's I think in the the 2018 recruiting class you addressed the offensive line somewhat uh, with the Herb hand hire you addressed it again. I think Tom Herman knows it's might be the primary concern for him this offseason to fix it to, to do well I don't know like you said you can't fix it to address it I should say mm-hmm. um, that's better in terms of tempering expectations not fix it to address it and I think that's what they're trying to do and if they get a graduate transfer in Calvin Anderson that's addressing it in three different ways or at least the three ways that you could address it this offseason and a graduate transfer is like a type of guy that we were talking about last week he can be that stopgap that allows the development exactly right. for the others because yeah, he's man. here for that he wants to be that type yeah. of piece that is his development like into that as a grad transfer yeah. Yeah, he's a grown man, and Calvin Anderson is a grown man. He would fit all those things. Yeah. The lines of scrimmage, as I talked about, you know, wasn't a great year in state for offensive and defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. But you look at the pieces specifically they were able to add, Rod. You just look at the defense. They, they ended up getting Keandre Coburn, the state's top nose. Joseph Osai was arguably the top pass rusher in the state, who's a guy who's, you know, they need to get more production out of that B-backer spot. Nashawn Hughes just wasn't the guy. You think about when Todd Orlando had Tyus Bowser at U of H. That, that's the kind of guy they want out there. Maybe that's Joseph Osai. Maybe. Maybe it's not, but they feel like he's got a chance to develop into, into a big-time pass rusher for him. So they get those two guys in state in a, in, a, in a year where there wasn't that much depth or you know top-end talent available, and then they go out of state to get Daniel Carson and Mike Williams, and, and Moro Ojomo is a late riser, and then on the offensive line, another late bloomer in, in Christian Jones. You go out of state to get Junior Angulau. Reese Moore is a guy that you targeted as a high school tight end who you feel is a Connor Williams starter kid who maybe he's a guy that's athletic enough to be tight end who now you're going to try to make him a left tackle and and see where that goes and then uh who am i missing on front and then rafidi grimai who might have been the top offensive lineman in the state again in a year where it wasn't that great of a year but still you were able to go get one of the top guys in the state in a weak year so man i commend the staff for what they were able to do man i had big time question marks just because of the the numbers over what they were going to be able to do uh re- bulking up both lines of scrimmage man and, and they went out and did it yeah la- i mean early on for this recruiting class it was all about the skill positions and you know the skill positions were just i mean they were flowing Going in, and it was great. That's when you get the defensive back haul, of course, which we've talked about. Um, even the wide receivers from this class were early signees and committing early to the program. And we didn't really see a lot of offensive linemen and defensive linemen that came late. Even in the early signing period, the offensive linemen kind of came in late, and the defensive line. So I, I wonder if it was just once they got the skill position guys they wanted, they got the two quarterbacks they wanted, they got the wide receivers, the defensive back haul they wanted. If the the, the shift uh you know in focus for the the coaching staff shifted to the lines period like hey, we got to right. close on the lines we did great with the skill positions we're killing it i got my two quarterbacks we got the dbs we're in the big 12 wide receiver we're already deep at but we still got some playmakers at wide receiver we got to go get the beef all right where's the beef in the class there wasn't that much of it i think they went and got it late and that's why the actual signing day was all about that d line and I, I don't think they're done like you said i think they want to bring in a little bit more beef yeah and that's what maybe I want. We'll see. I, I'm I'm trying to stay updated on the Vernon Jackson Need situation. To, yeah, yeah, they do. They want. They, they. I think that's what the. Because remember, right? I mean, early on in the class, I mean, you know better than anybody, Jeff. It was all about the skill position guys. We've been talking about these DBs for it feels like a year now. I feel like we've been talking about right. it. they all been on campus, half of them. But you know that was the and it, you know I think they had how many two, how many linebackers got in the class? Like two? Is it two linebackers? Two linebackers. Two linebackers. linebackers By the way, yeah. Vernon Jackson's letter of intent is in finally for AM. Oh, for for AM. Oh, good for them. Good for the Aggies. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But I think that the staff, and I, I really do, I think they sat down after early, and this is why early signing period is if you play it right, man, it is a hell of an asset. Yes. Because if you play it right, mm-hmm. you can really kind of uh basically, you know, get like a half of the class or like three fourths of that class, or at least your needs of that class out of the way, and then you can redirect your focus a entirely. Guy like Tom Herman would love that on the way to close. So yeah. So you're not as scattered, it's not as no. erratic and sporadic as you know just national signing days. oh man did you get the did we get the d-line we won't did we get this like no we got all the dbs we wanted all the wide receivers all the skill positions let's shift down let's it's get like the d-line and o-line we want yeah let's go get the rest of the best d-line and o-line that are out there and it seems like i don't know if that's actually how it happened but it seems like that's the way the narrative works yeah and just them. to be able to have a target date and a resetting that yeah then when things you can even if things everything. don't go how you thought then exactly 
still have that opportunity, which wasn't there before. And yeah. then, like, something that I saw y'all post, and it was uh, the thing about Herman citing, like, I guess himself about the commit. <laughs> Quoting the, himself? Well, no, but he did. I don't know <laughs> where the Herman numbers. Tom would quote himself. Yeah, he, I will say he that. he did. He <laughs> said, according to his numbers, that they signed the fifth fewest or offered the fifth fewest uh, players. No, yeah. fifth fewest offers in yeah, the country. Yeah, I'm not going to go through all 128 FBS programs and see how many offers. But it was and especially numbers. in our database where there, there might be offers that weren't committable. And, so you it, know, it was the fifth most behind Northwestern, Stanford, Clemson, and Washington. Yeah. And it just, whenever you were saying that, and it was a sp- form of strategy. And now the way that I just heard the few little things with him saying that really wants the offer to mean something because of how in the past decade you had seen so many offers and coaches abusing the offer idea. And then like it sort of diluted what an offer from schools meant. But now that if he's going to use this out there to in-state kids, it's like a supply-demand thing. And if it actually is something that, oh, no, you got a Texas offer, it sort of reminded me of what I heard of recruiting 25 years ago when it was like, oh, well, but he's going to get a Texas offer. And that was like the big deal, you know, like hearing Bo Jackson say the day that he finally had Alabama call his house, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. Like there's it means a, a merit it still to it. Means so something. it just shows yeah. the, you know, he had he definitely going at this with a keen strategy and it worked out the first year. Yeah, Rod, you know, I, I want to go big picture here in, in just a second uh, and, and relate this to, to Alabama's recruiting class because I was just thinking about Alabama. This was the worst ranked recruiting class Alabama's had since 2007 when they had mm. the seventh. Can't win it every year. They had the seventh <laughs> best class in the country in 2007. Ooh, and really finished, falling off. And they finished with, with the number seven <laughs> class in the country. A decade of top year. sevens. A decade of yeah. classes no More worse than, that, than seventh a dozen. in the country. I, I believe in that national yeah. title game. That's we saw like them. four freshmen that <laughs> right. played pivotal roles. That's literally but 12 no, But Matt, the, the point you made though, uh, you know, I, offering early, I mean, I know Tom Herman talked about, or not offering early, but you know, how many offers you extend. Um, to me, it, it all, all that matters is are you evaluating the right kids and, and we'll find out a few years like from now. Are. And, and honestly, like our kind of guy, that's his new, that's his Well, thing. that's what Chris Peterson talks about but, it. Uh, he's kind of like something he's kind of taking that our kind of guy. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, but and, and I understand that to to an extent that Rod Rod B you 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 saw a lot of talented guys come and go during your time at Texas. Yeah, they weren't Matt guys. University of Texas isn't for everybody. Yeah, everybody wasn't kind of a Matt guy. They didn't like everybody didn't jump on that bandwagon. Some guys don't figure that out until they get there though. Yeah, and then some guys decide, you know, I'm not a Matt guy, but I'm still sticking with the program. Mm -hmm. No, some might be Texas guys. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, I think it's all about the it's all about the culture that you're bringing in, and that's why Tom Harmon talks about that. They let's be honest, there are a lot of guys who are leaving the program for different reasons to pursue professional interests and all graduate transfers and some guys just transferring whatever a lot of that and those guys are talented guys is because they're not really tom herman guys like they're talented players and they they, nothing against tom herman they probably think tom herman's gonna do a great job and he's cool but eh, i'm not really a tom herman guy he's got his own thing working i was able to contribute and help but they were tom herman guys a lot of them they would stay charlie i mean they were charlie strong guys and going back to just a good human thing that like talking about working wise exactly that like it's like saying every one of your ex-girlfriends is is a is a yacht in an a-hole like no like she's cool she, we just didn't work out like and, we, she's great and she look at her talk to her man now she's great she's got kids she's got a family she's a great woman me and her we just couldn't vibe yeah, you know what right. i mean doesn't make you a bad person same thing with those guys They're like man i'm not really here for that i've had bad experiences here in texas i had a good year here with you but i'm not really a tom herman guy i'm moving on charlie and had the, guys like adrian colbert who's now starting in the nfl hey i'm moving right. on well and then you that's I mean? just where it's like you know the human element aspect that we always talk about where these football players really never had much of those choices because you're always judged if you go do that but if any of us you go to a work environment you get a whole new boss all your old bosses are left and you don't get along so well with the person it might not be personal but any human understands that but then when it becomes a kid at the school you root for and he's going to somewhere else it becomes the fandom emotional aspect that's thrown in that distorts the way that we view this because it's only logical to think oh yeah he's cool I just not the right fit for me I'm going back to my hometown break time on the show but on the other side more National Signing Day and looking at the big picture for the Longhorns and Tom Herman in 2018 and beyond. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. 
Here again is Jeff Howe. Rod, you, you talk about how the early signing period can benefit you and benefit how much it benefited Texas. I think mm-hmm. if you're a program like Texas, if you're one of the national blue blood brands and you've got your stuff together, it's the best thing in the world. And, and I compare yeah. it to this. You talk about Tom Herman being able to crystallize his focus and say, okay, this is what we need to go get in January. we got to target these guys. This is what we need. The difference between the way Charlie Strong recruited and the way Tom Herman recruits yeah. is Charlie Strong is the kind of guy, everybody gets to this point, and I'm at this point at the house right now, everybody knows when you're out of groceries and you're like, man, I have nothing in the house. I got to go to the grocery store. Tom Herman's the guy that goes to the grocery store with a detailed list. Like, I'm not I'm not leaving anything off this list. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know what I need. Charlie Strong's the guy that says, oh, man, the wife's going to be home. I'm supposed to go to the store. I got to go to the store now. I don't need a list. I'm just going. I'm just going. And the we'll wife will tell you, the yeah. wife will tell you, hey, you actually did a pretty good job. I mean, you didn't get this or this or this, but overall, you did a pretty good job. And that's what we said about Charlie during his two full cycles. It's like, yeah. man, you know, they didn't, they missed on this and this, but overall, that's actually not too bad. I agree. Considering the circumstances. You're also admitting he didn't get everything. But now, so this this list idea. of 27, this is what it looks like when from top, and this is, I know we heard alignment, everybody got sick of hearing about alignment. When everybody's on the same page and everybody knows what you're going to do and there's a clear blueprint and a focus in recruiting, this list of 27, that's what it looks like. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I think yeah, you're seeing him recruit to a certain culture. You're seeing him recruit to a certain system. You can see it on the defensive side of the ball, recruiting to what Todd Orlando's strengths are, especially with the defensive backs, even with Kendrick Coburn. Um, I think that Tom Herman, like you pointed out, I think he's very deliberate in everything he does. That's why he's not giving out a lot of scholarships, and you can't offer a scholarship without them sitting down as a group, as a coaching staff, and going, all right, here's our big board or whatever. We need this, this, and this. Everybody on the board for this guy? Like, yeah, but you know what? I like this other guy. That's why they don't they don't have a lot of offers out there, because I don't think all the recruiters can just go, hey, man, we're giving you an offer. Like, I don't think they exactly. had that freedom. You know what I mean? Because Tom yeah. Herman is so deliberate in They're who's being like offered and how it's working. Yeah, always have to have that meeting when he would offer. Yeah, I'll give you a perfect example. You want an example of how this works now in modern day college football? Because you can't do it the way Mac did it ten years ago, where it's like we offered twenty kids and got seventeen commitments. Yeah, that because that obviously that didn't work out as well as it should have for Mac. When it did early on, before the evolution of recruiting, he just didn't keep up with it quick enough. And I I feel like I can go here because the kids signed at Texas, so it doesn't matter. I talked about that workout I was at at Houston Heights back before the name change when Dwayne Mm -hmm. Aquino was out there watching Jalen Green. Dwayne Aquino wanted to offer Jalen Green, but he couldn't because he had to take, take transcript back and he had to sit down and they had to talk to David Shaw and they had to all be on the same page yep. before Dwayne Aquina, as as much as David Shaw trusts Dwayne Aquina, nope. couldn't fan. just go offer somebody on his Can't own. Can't do it. Can't do it, man. I, we got to come back as a staff and yes. we got to talk about it. I may have to watch some more film on this thing. We'll have to see. Yeah, no, I agree And it that. wasn't even, I mean, I'm standing there when Dwayne Aquina's talking to Jalen Green's high school coach, like, coach, I love him, but, you know, at Stanford, we have a way we do things, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This, is yeah. need, this is what we need to do. Yeah, and I think some of it is the exclusivity. You do still want the brand to mean something. You would like that offer to mean something to a young man. Like, mm-hmm. no, everybody don't get an offer from Texas. You know what I mean? You would still like it to mean something. Same thing with Stanford, of course. Hell, you can't get an offer from Stanford <laughs> unless yeah. you're of a certain ilk. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you there. I, I like what Tom Herman did. I think it's. I think he did a great job of building a wall around the state. I think that was the most important thing. Um, I talk about that with Mac Brown all the time, but that's what Mac Brown did a really good job of. And even he was with R.C. I, I believe him and R.C. Slocum still to this day had an unwritten kind of gentleman's I've heard agreement. your theory on this. Yeah. I've had that, 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 bang, we wall off the state and then me and you, we we, we duke it out for the talent. And turns out Mac Brown was just a better recruiter. <laughs> and he, we, you know, he won that, that battle awesome. and he won it, you know, time and time again. Hell and man, bit, RC helped Matt get you. Yes, he did. Cause <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it was, I really do think it was, and I went to A&M and I visited that, with A&M, but Mac wasn't worried about RC. He's like, you're in college station. I'm in Austin, Texas. Like I don't have to worry about you. If we're on the same, if we're on the same level, I will win. Cause I'm in Austin, Texas. Yes. Like it's just that simple. And then, been, like, the university. He, he was saying that 20 something years ago. He was like, I've been to College Station. You've yeah. been to Austin, Texas? It ain't like all I do is I just bring him here and say, Have you been there? Uh, where do you want to live? Where do you want to live, right. young man? Most of those people go, But that's why, that's why for AM, that's why, that's why for AM, that, that SEC cares that they can dangle. Oh, it's great. There. Yeah. It's, it's and the, having it's Jimbo Fisher, right. superstar coach, help. Um, those two are going to be duking it out, Tom Herman and Jimbo Fisher, for the next five to six years. Tom Herman's going to win most of those, but I like that. You look at the top 20 recruits in the state, and the majority of those are going to Texas schools now. And thanks thanks to Tom Herman, they're back in the Big 12. And I said this before, you save Texas football, which Tom Herman's going to do, and the only way you can do this by getting the top talent in the state of Texas, which he did this season. You save Texas football, you'll save the Big 12. Because the only thing killing the Big 12 is the exodus we, of talent. the Big 12 to be saved? Uh, Tom Herman can do it because when was the last time the Big 12 contended for a national title or won a national title? 2009, 2005, Texas. 
defense is stacked with NFL talent. You know what I mean? Like, fix him in recruiting. He's got to fix the quarterback position. He's got to fix the defense and make sure Texas has a championship-level defense. And he's got to stop the exodus of talent from the state. All three of those things can be fixed in recruiting. That's why it matters. 11 of the, if you look at the 24-7 sports composite rankings, which, thanks, Tom Herman. Appreciate the plug. That's the rankings yeah. he was He likes ranking. your – he likes you. He's mentioned your composite he rankings before. He likes – he drops the composite Because it's a one-stop right. shop. A no, it is. Guy. It's the best rankings out there. 11 of the top 15 recruits in the state uh, and 12 of the top 20, if you include Joseph Osai, at number 20. But Texas gets Caden Stearns, number one, B.J. Foster, number two, Jalen Green, number four, DeMarvion Overshone, number five. That shows you how good this DB class mm-hmm. is that those guys are yeah. in the top five. Brennan Eagles at six, Anthony Cook at seven, Josh Ramore at 10, Alvante Woodard at 11, Deshaun Jameson at 12, Keandre Coburn at 13, Keontae Ingram at 15. So uh, it, was, it was a big year. I mean, it, if you're an Aggie fan, I don't know how you can be disappointed with the finish Jimbo Fisher had. They finished with a class that was ranked just outside the top 15. We had them at, I think, 16 right? or 17 in the country in a transition year where they kind of went all over the country. They went to the East Coast, to, went out to California, Florida. They went all over to, to get them some players. And, and I'm telling you, 2019, if you love following recruiting, 2019 is going to mm-hmm. be a fun year, man, because there are going to be a lot of vicious, especially oh, yeah. when you Tony, get it. Aggies in the low now we, and Lincoln Riley. Now, we, we talked about. Vicious. It is. We it is. talked about. It's cutthroat, man. We talked about the early signing period, but the thing that's going to change with the 2019 cycle is recruits can now take official visits in the spring. Ooh. So you're going to be you're going to have recruiting in high gear in the spring when these teams are going through spring ball. So you're going to have Tom Herman and Jimbo Fisher going head to head for some of the top town in the state. Nice, it's already Relay happening. Weekend. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's Relay well, well, gonna and be so I mean and this is uh, and I think that you know that is going to help because remember in 2016 no college football program in the state of Texas finished the year in the AP top 25. First time in 50 years it ever happened. Right. The, the 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 talent being um, siphoned from the state is hurting not only Big 12 but college football in the state of Texas which is that's jobs in Texas man that's an economy all of its yeah. own the football realm so I think it's great having Jimbo Fisher here I think him and Tom Herman are going to be going at it and one other thing like to consider if you're you know talking about kind of the macro of this um, you know Tom Herman wants to run Houston like that's Brian Carrington is kind of his ace in Houston like that's where he wants his foothold to be yeah. it's one of the top seeds for producing NFL talent and m before Mac Brown was known uh, for being like the the, the the university of like the, the university of the Houston like Houston people like Houstonians right. they love the Aggies there was an Aggie town more so than the Longhorn town and I wonder now if they're going to start trying to battle for Houston because we talked about this yeah, Houston I mean, Houston was becoming a, it was an SEC town it was not a Big Twelve city it was start because and, and U of H messed with that too because Tom Herman you know and LSU expanding their footprint yeah you know what I mean like he broke he didn't want it to be a Texas town or an Aggie town he wanted to be a Cougar town mm-hmm. so then they 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 came in the conversation so that's a lot you're right there's a lot going on in Houston about who is going to run that state that city excuse me when it comes to recruiting. why does Cougar Town sound like a place that you would camp out for about a week Rod uh, mm-hmm. I would love Cougar Town uh, there used to be a what was that it was a, it's bar, a bar up north, north. No, yeah, you know what I'm about? <laughs> I think we called it Cougar <laughs> Town it had like blue or purple yes it did what was that what place what was that place oh Damn man it. yes uh, the Air I can't remember. band used to yeah. play there all the time it was known as Cougar Town yes, though right. it was it actually his nickname there's a bar up in North that's been there as well. Yeah. So we kind of hit all bases, and, and I want to finish with this, and this goes back to a conversation we had after the championship game. When uh, Again, when you look at Alabama, oh, it was a down year for Alabama. They finished with the seventh, seventh best class in the country. It's the worst they've had since 2007, and I'm thinking, wow. well, where were they then in the 30s? No, they were seventh in the they country. Seventh <laughs> um, and you look at you look at what Georgia, you look at what Georgia's doing, yeah. and you look at what Ohio State does every year, mm-hmm. and that is the pattern for Texas to follow. And that, to me, it's not that I'm not thrilled that Texas got this signing class because let's face it as guys who have a podcast and I've got a site when, when the product on the field is better it's better for all of us because let's face it we're, we're making more money yeah I mean people are more invested people in the program want to talk Texas football. exactly yeah. more people want to listen more people want to read blah 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 it's better for everybody but the only way that happens and it's like again it's not that I'm not excited about this group but you know that okay you did it Tom Herman awesome now go do it again yep. and again and, and again, again and again and again and again and again, and again. Yeah. you better watch out yeah. the 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 other part of that is if Texas is seven and six in 2018, we're not sitting here a year from now talking about the number three class in the country, the best recruiting class, the most high, most highly ranked recruiting class Texas has had since 2012. Back towards the end when Mac still technically had it quote unquote rolling and it was still yeah. Texas still on nationally meant something. Texas is seven and six, we're not talking about that next year. Now the challenge is go win eight or nine games and go beat A and M for some head to head battles and let's start seeing an upward trajectory on the field so that way you can keep stacking talented classes on top of 
talented classes on top of talented classes. Yeah. That's how you win championships. I'm not actually worried about them winning more games next year. I'm actually confident they'll win more games. Like, I mean, they, they were close yeah. to winning eight or nine games this year. They just If you, know, you just take the step of the beating, game, beating the, the teams Tech you're game. supposed to beat, yeah. mm-hmm. then you probably do go so, eight and four in the I think they'll min- win more games. So I think he'll keep you know progressing. I think the big issue is um, you know how long before he's competing for the Big 12 championship. That's the first big step. And honestly, next year you should be at least be in the discussion for what it sounds like it's uh, the SEC or anything. Because I don't know, man. The top of the conference, I mean, Oklahoma thinks it's just going to keep on rolling with Kyler Murray at quarterback. Yeah. I, I don't know that it will exactly. or not. I'm with you. You know, TCU's having to reload offensively. Yeah. Um, you know, West Virginia brings back brings back Will Greer, but we know they're always just kind of weird. Yeah, they'll lose a game, a yeah. game or two. They have no business losing. Oklahoma State's got to reload in terms of personnel. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's there for Texas to go win them that eight should, or nine games next year. That should be year. the goal. The goal should be next year to win the Big 12. And then after you win the conference, then you're in a national championship discussion. I mean, literally, that is it, like in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. So, for Tom Herman, next year, I agree. I, I'm not saying he's got to win the Big 12, but he should at least be in the discussion for, you know, it, it, who's going to win the Big 12 or at least coming down to the wire who's competing for the Big 12 championship. I do I do love the fact, though, and I'll close with this about this class, that A&M's dealing with it now, and you're going to see you've seen all them mm-hmm. already in the class of 2019 have some nice momentum. Tom Herman maximized the newness factor that they Texas did. had, much more so than Charlie Strong. And yes, Charlie got Malik and Holton Hill, and they got some talented guys. And that first recruiting class was ranked 10 in the country. But Tom Herman got every high school football recruits in the state of Texas excited about Texas again. Yeah, yeah. that's big. Yeah, Throughout big. the whole cycle. And they maximized the cycle. I just used that word maximized. They maximized every minute of this recruiting cycle. And again, when you look at this list of 27 signees, that's how it pays off. And that's how you get your program better. And if you can do it again, that's how you start contending for championships. He again. said in 2017 he was focusing on 2018. Now give him credit for that because everybody was disappointed about that class. Speaking of the Aggies and the first salvage class for a coach, Longhorn fans, the quickly they forget about yeah. the Longhorns last year. What was it 27th ranked class in the country? Lowest in the modern recruiting cycle? Yeah. But I digress. My, my point being, you know, for for Tom Herman, he seems to be one of those guys that's very calculated and he seems to, he has a plan. Like, for, there's never, I don't think he's ever, like, taken off guard, like, oh, I didn't have a plan for that. He's got a plan. He had a plan with this recruiting cycle, too. He goes back to 2017 saying that. So, I, I trust him about yeah. that kind of stuff and those kind of decisions. And you brought up the point that it, you can now have official visits in the spring. That's amazing for Game Austin. Changing. It's huge. You have South by Southwest and Texas Relays. The weather. That's the best beautiful. weekends in yeah. the entire city. So, yeah, that's only going to help. That's right, man. Official visits on Relays weekend. I didn't even Ooh. think about oh, that. Man. Yeah, that was the first thing. I said Relays, and then I was like Ooh, South by. And South by for three, three weeks. They don't I get to come for ACL. Either. It's during in season. That's no. huge. All right. It is time to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven, and we will do that on the other side as we close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. If you're talking, they will hear you every single time. Oh, we're getting killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle and some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt, that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? (laughs) They never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Blue Star medicated ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's amazing. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry, cracked skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalp itch. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. As a small business owner, you're juggling it all, including customers' calls from your personal phone. But with Grasshopper, you get a business phone number and a business phone system from our mobile app so you can work smarter, not harder. 
Grasshopper forwards calls, texts, even transcribes voicemails. Everything you need to simplify your business and stay responsive. With Grasshopper, there's no long-term contracts and customer support is 24-7. Whether you're starting or growing your business, Grasshopper is the answer. Now get $20 off your first month when you visit grasshopper.com slash radio. As a small business owner, you make every dollar count. So what could you do with $10? Go to Vistaprint.com today and you'll get 500 high-quality custom business cards for only $9.99. That's less than two cents per card. And at Vistaprint, your satisfaction is absolutely guaranteed. So it's never been easier to turn 500 strangers into connections. Just visit Vistaprint.com and use promo code 1919 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1919. In winter, you can practically hear your skin changing, drying out, flaking, tightening, becoming itchy, irritated, and inflamed. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. With Cortisone 10, winter can just sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Mirror bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. In winter, you can practically hear your skin changing, drying out, flaking, tightening, becoming itchy, irritated, and inflamed. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. With Cortisone 10, winter can just sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. As a small business owner, you're juggling it all, including customers' calls from your personal phone. But with Grasshopper, you get a business phone number and a business phone system from our mobile app so you can work smarter, not harder. Grasshopper forwards calls, texts, even transcribes voicemails. Everything you need to simplify your business and stay responsive. With Grasshopper, there's no long-term contracts and customer support is 24-7. Whether you're starting or growing your business, Grasshopper is the answer. Now get $20 off your first month when you visit grasshopper.com radio. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I feel like I'm on top of the world. Disclaimer, you will not be transported to the top of the world. In the unlikely event you find yourself at the Arctic Circle, seek shelter from the elements immediately to avoid frostbite and or hypothermia. GEICO will not be responsible if you find yourself in a cave or crevasse with a lonely, abominable snowman, who in all likelihood will force you to play games including but not limited to Go Fish, Charades, Chinese Checkers, or his personal favorite, Red Rover, Red Rover, Send Yeti on over. GEICO is not liable for any damages, either physical or emotional. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. For everybody at 104.9, the Horn, HornFM.com, the Horn app, AM 1260, everybody at the Austin Radio Network, our wonderful partners where you can get Rod B each and every week on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. And this plug. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.